motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm excited to be here today with our guest, Suzanne Carpenter. She is a certified nutritional consultant and owner of Carpenter 180. Thank you so much for joining me, Suzanne. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. So Suzanne Carpenter is an approachable, sincere, fun-loving, and passionate leader who loves to see personal improvement and transformation in those she teaches. Through her successful 10-year nutrition career, Suzanne saw a gap in the industry and a trend in society. Americans are more confused and overwhelmed than ever when it comes to actually losing weight and keeping it off. She created a virtual nutrition education company called Carpenter 180, whose mission is to provide affordable and simple programs that can clear up food confusion so that people can win at losing weight. Suzanne is a certified nutritional consultant, the CEO and founder of Carpenter 180, as well as the creator of SOS, Sue's on Your Shoulder, Babysit My Plate, and the Food Peace University, three different virtual bite-sized nutrition courses. They were designed to teach you what you need to know to create sustainable results. She has some amazing insights to share with us today about her mother wor- motherhood work juggle, self-care when it comes to our health and nutrition, and practical tips and strategies for feeding our families. I'm so excited to have you here, Suzanne. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. So I wanted to start off asking you about your work motherhood juggle and what this journey has looked like for you. So like what have been some of your key pivots, successes and obstacles that have brought you to where you are today? And I know that being a teacher has been a part of this. And I love that this is something that you and I have in common. I do too. It's like we're kindred spirits right out of the (laughs) gate. (laughs) Well, okay, so sure, I'll just jump right in. And first off, this is going to be a fun conversation with just like all sorts of rabbit trails. It's, it's going to be fantastic. So um, I will say, though, that my whole life, I carried a big secret, like a secret I didn't plan to tell anybody, not my husband, nobody. And I'll, I'll tell you what that is in just a minute. But I live just north of the city of Atlanta, and I've been married almost 24 years. I have four kids. I consistently, like once a quarter, turn a load of white laundry pink. I don't know how, but after all these years, I'm still that girl. Um, so when I met my husband, we were like sold out to the great um, mid Midwestern lifestyle. He's going to build the career. I'm going to start out teaching first grade. I loved doing that. But when I started having kids, I wanted to come home. And so my husband's providing for us beautifully, but he's always on the road, traveling airplanes. He missed a ton. And then the first pivot, 
happened. And you know, you're going to get a curveball in life. It's not if, it's just when. And this was in 2009 when the auto industry tanked and we had that first little recession. He came to me and he said, hey, you know what? My company's not going to need me in three years. I'm a vice president. We have to go find something else. So I tell that part of the story because we moved our family from Michigan to Mississippi, chasing his career. And what we were looking for was him coming home at night for quality of life. But it brought a 40% pay cut and we were not talking about it. And that's not premarital advice. Don't do that. But we didn't want to stress each other out. So we were like, let's just sweep this one right under the rug here. But Dave is laying on his side of the bed thinking, "Uh oh, we just cut out savings for four weddings and four colleges and our retirement. And I'm thinking like a girl, like that just cut out smoking hot dates and my kids need a lot of shoes and I don't want to budget grapes. So here we are, Mississippi. I walk in to go exercise and I bump into a direct sales company and my girlfriend says, you'd be really good at this and I'll help you. And I thought, all right, well, I can stay home and I can start pulling in some extra income. I like this idea. And I was good at it. And it's kind of like where I got my entrepreneurial chops, my spirit. So at that time, I was fitting people the products and coaching them to results. But what I noticed, they were looking for magic diet pills. And those don't exist. I know that. Otherwise, I'd find them. Um, (laughs) So then I was doing all this pro bono work in nutrition with them because I was like, guys, barbecue and yeast rolls does not lead to a healthy lifestyle since we're wanting to slim down. So I was trying to always do the work in the kitchen. All right. So then what ends up happening is I am asked a question. And he said, Suzanne, you say you would die for your kids, but would you change for them? I did not like that question. It kept me up. It hit me square between the eyes. I lost sleep because that question meant I was going to have to deal with the fact that I had an eating disorder and that I had had it since I was a teenager. And if I didn't get myself help, probably my girls were going to grow up to talk to themselves the same way I was talking to myself when I looked in the mirror and I couldn't stand that idea. And then I thought they're going to have the same fractured relationship with food that I have if I don't show them the way, if I don't role model this better, because they were little at the time, but I knew they were watching me. So I set out just to help me. And so I would um, wake up and talk ugly, mean things to myself in the morning. And then I would set these ridiculous food rules called not eat as long as I possibly could. And then biology would take over and I would binge Now, this is easy to get away with because my husband was traveling all the time. I would binge and then I would exercise to outrun my fork and that led to using laxatives as well. And I was on a path to misery, shaky, hungry, tired, cranky all the time. Um, But I was looking for answers. I just couldn't find them. I didn't want it to be that way. I just couldn't find a better way to manage my weight and to quiet that voice because ultimately that's what I was trying to do is get that voice to quit chirping in my ear. So when I sat down with the professionals and I got help, which was possibly one of the scariest things I ever did, um, man, massive peace came on the other side of that because I learned some principles that we all should have been taught when we were in high school. And frankly, the more I realized that some of these fundamentals could have saved me a lot of heartache, the more I started to develop this mission to not only just serve me and my girls, but then also to serve other women. Cause maybe they weren't quite as deep into an eating disorder as I was in, but I know that women are suffering and we want to look and feel our best. And it's not about gene size. It's not about vanity. It's about how do I feel about myself so I can go be 17 kinds of awesome all day long. And so 
then it just started to become where I went from taking this little hobby of helping people with the kitchen to wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a whole platform here. I have a message that needs to get out. And it went from dreaming and conceptual to I, I need to take this thing and get it up off the ground now. That's amazing. And I, I want to say sometimes it can be so hard. Well, it is so hard. And you have to be so brave to go and ask for that help and ask for that direction and ask for that advice. But it sounds like it was such an empowering experience for you. And then mm-hmm. as well to, to uh, follow those nudges and to think about taking that dream and actually taking action and doing something about it is amazing. That is <laughs> such an incredible story. Taking such a difficult situation and really making something amazing from it and doing something to help others as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I mean, that shame was so big that that secret was so heavy on me. I decided for everybody else how they were going to respond because it was the biggest shame I had. But to tell other people about it who don't have that type of an emotional investment attached to that subject. They're like, glad you're happier. Glad you fixed it. Like I thought I was going to lose relationships or people were going to think I wasn't authentic or um, I failed. And therefore I failed as an adult and didn't deserve respect and all the things that you work so hard to, to position yourself as a good human. And I mean, I just wrote the story wrong. Yeah. And it is so amazing how in we can tell ourselves these stories and sort of put a dialogue, right, to what we think will happen when we put um, our thoughts and ideas and fears and worries and stuff out there. But often it's so much not the case at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, it sounds like things have worked out amazingly well with your story. And it's so inspiring for other people to hear and your ability to take what you've learned and then share that with others is absolutely incredible. Thank you. Thank you. And speaking of, I just in listening to your story, um, it sounds like along your path, you really recognize that the importance of self-care for yourself Mm -hmm. and making sure that you were healthy and well and able to set that example and really be there for your family in the way that you wanted to be. And we often hear that idea that you can't pour from an empty cup, but, right. it's, but it is really so true. Um, so as a nutritional consultant, what advice would you give to moms about how to start taking some steps and to take some action so that their health and nutrition are a priority and a part of this self-care? Because I know... Sometimes um, we don't recognize or pay attention to that difference between our physical hunger or when we're eating for more emotional reasons, for example. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're waiting for that perfect time to make our health and nutrition a priority. And Mm -hmm. when really is that perfect time? It's so easy to think about, you know, right now, just there's too much going on. And I mean, right now, there's a lot going on. So how can um, moms really take some steps and take some action to make this, uh, um, their health and nutrition be a part of that self-care? Okay, I hope that this is uh, part tactile, tactile, like you get some hands on 
I can do this. I like this chick. She's making me not feel afraid of this. And I hope I can help you want to get into action with some of this. But man, you guys, whenever I've worked with people before COVID, they were always talking to me about, well, it's not really a good time right now because I've got Christmas coming or I've got this trip coming or I've got this event coming or I'm whatever. There were always these reasons that getting their health as a priority just wasn't quite the right time. And I was like, yeah, I understand that. Maybe when we're on the other side of it. Well, here we are in this two-month epidemic and we had nothing coming and we're worse off. So I first want to say, man, okay, so this proves it. There's never going to be a good time. We're going to have to just slap in, jump in and get going. The trick is we've got to figure out how to create a pattern of eating that you can do now where you can have weight loss and weight management. That's the same pattern of eating that you're going to do when you're 80. If you can, you're not doing right now what you see yourself doing when you're 80, it's a path to mystery. It's a path to never feeling like you're in control and food is always in control. So the trick is, can we find a pattern of eating that's not a fad, that's not about restricting, that's not about taking out your favorite foods forever, not about um, eating nothing all day long and making these food rules. So there's steps involved. So moms need to know that our littles are watching us close. And if you can, if you can't get your head to agree with self-care is important for you. How about we frame this different of self-care is important for you to show your children that you're doing for yourself so that when they're adults, they will take care of themselves, which is ultimately what you want them to do. You want to see them be happy and joyful. And man, they want to see you happy and joyful just as badly because they love you just as much. So if you're right away thinking, I don't have time in my life for my own self-care, I understand that. Maybe you can think in terms of, but it's so important for me to model it for my littles that I love so much because I do want that for them. So having said that, with getting ready to start thinking about nutrition and changing a pattern of eating, that's hard. Change is hard. And you're going to have to feel like you're a rubber band and you're stretching and pulling and it's okay. But think about it this way. One, you've had to use compromise and discipline in every area of your life, especially if you had a two-year-old. You had to decide which battles to pick and which ones to let go. And with the job, you had to be disciplined to get up on time and get home on time and groceries and making meals. Somehow we forgot that we needed to use compromise and discipline in nutrition and wellness. And it's okay to pull this in here. I mean, you've had hard things in other places of your life, so we do hard things. We can do some things here that require compromise and discipline to have success, which is the second thing. Success leaves clues. So if you've been successful at raising humans or in the job or in the sports or not turning laundry pink, you know, like success leaves clues, you can have success here too if you just get started with some of the right things. Um, so in before I get into like the tactile about like protein, fat and fiber and why fiber and some of like, what are we putting on our plate? There's a difference between physical hunger and emotional hunger. And if ever we could maybe identify it, it might be this time. And if you can look at this thing more like it's biology and because you're human, your body is doing this maybe you won't feel like you're doing it bad because you'll understand, oh, it's my body protecting me. So here's the deal. Emotional hunger comes on really fast. Like you could be working or doing something with the kids or coming home from the wherever, the park. And then you went from just doing your deal to all of a sudden you were hungry. My guess is that's emotional hunger because it came on so fast. Now, if 
you could think into a little ahead of just the pretzels and the chocolate chips that you want, but actually think into, is there something coming up I don't want? Like, do I have to make dinner and the kids are going to get squirrely? Or do I have to write a hard email or have a difficult conversation? Or is something uncomfortable? Do I just get bad news? There's probably something that you're emotionally hungry for. And it was probably soothing. It was probably comfort, boredom, fatigue, tired, stress. So you are using food as a way to make yourself feel less of the anxiety feelings. So um, um, physical hunger comes on or physical hunger comes on slowly. And that's where you feel your stomach rumbling and you hear it, you know, because there's no food in your gut. So you can hear all the organs turning. Back to the emotional hunger, though, um, if you think about the foods that you love, like what are you really craving during those times where you just or find yourself binge eating, probably they were a food you ate when you were a child, probably. And for most of us adults, childhood does symbolize a time where somebody took care of us. There was less stress. We were comforted. We were secure. Even if it was just for a part of the childhood, those foods are probably foods you ate during that time. So that food is actually working to pull you back into a comfortable state of mind that you're so seeking because you're in self-preservation mode. And right now, with so much more uncertainty and stress and change of pace and all the extra emotions we have, it makes sense why you would turn to the comfort foods to go back. So then we want to think about the feeling spectrum as I land this plane here. So pretend like your left hand, you were going to put on the desk and it's the stove. It's so hot. You can't keep your hand there. You have to take it away. Okay. That's extreme pain. You can't sustain it. Now your right hand, you're put that on the desk. That's extreme joy that doesn't stay either like Christmas morning or the endorphins from a run or chocolate or whatever. So when you feel pain, like right now, stress, anxiety, uncertainty, financial stress, all the things, this, um, it's sitting on top of your hand. And so then you think, okay, so you've got this stress, this uncomfortable, and all of a sudden Ben and Jerry sounds great, or a bag of uh, potato chips or French fries or whatever your food is. So you start eating the food. And for a little while, it's like somebody put a blanket over that pain. It goes away. It's numbed out. We all know that feeling. Problem is, when you're eating the food, it's finite. There's going to come a point where the Ben and Jerry's is gone. There's going to come a point where the chip bag is empty. And the numbing is going to go away. It's going to, you're going to, blood sugar is going to go up. And then it's going to go down. And that feels really bad. And then you're left not only with the problem is still there. It didn't go away. It just got covered up for a minute. Now, if you're like 70% of Americans who are overweight or obese, now you're left with this feeling of I'm back at the starting line again. Man, I just undid all my hard work from before. I undid all the exercise, uh, regret, shame, disappointment. You went from having one problem to many. So what I want you to know is when you are turning to food, what your body's actually doing is trying to get you away from the pain. So remember I said your left hand is the hot stove that you can't sustain. And let's pretend like your pain is in your hand, your left hand. The f- we have like stuff we could do that can make us feel better that society frowns on, like stealing, gambling, driving too fast, all those things. We don't tend to do them because people are going to kind of like, you know, come on. But it's okay to overeat. Nobody's going to really get after you about that. So we can see why we would tend to turn to something like food because society is okay with it as a way to 
numb out from the pain. The problem is, as we can see by numbers, it's a path to nowhere. It's not getting us where we want to go. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it is so interesting. Sort of, we talk about like those comfort foods and things that we turn to that make us feel good and satisfied, but not sometimes not for the long term. And yeah, finding those habits or ways of doing things to kind of deal with those emotions in a healthier or different way. And I did notice on your website that you talked about. Um, 80 days to form a habit. Um, And I love that idea. And sometimes it can be hard to kind of sustain that different new action or change in order to make um, something a new habit for yourself. But um, I think in having this conversation and sort of recognizing the why, um, you know, for some of the choices that we're making about our, our eating, it's so, so important. I love it that. Helps, it helps you to know that it's not so much just you. Like yeah. it, it's more of how we're made. And then we have to figure out a different way of doing things to get a different result. Absolutely. Ah. And change is tough. <laughs> change, change is tough. <clears throat> and I know right now, um, as a mom, like food just seems to be a, a huge part of our day. Like we're at home all the time. And I sometimes feel with our kids, I'm just kind of getting the last bits of breakfast cleaned up and they're already hungry again (laughs) and ready for a snack and then, you know, lunch. And it's just, there's a lot of food and we're in this kind of time where we're shopping and and planning meals in a little bit of a different way. Maybe the ingredients we want aren't available or we're not just running out to the grocery store and that, but I feel in general, I feel, but even more so now as a mom that I'm just constantly thinking about and planning and prepping meals and snacks for my family. And thankfully, our kids are getting a little bit older. And so they're able to take on some of that themselves as well. But it's about having then those um, food items and those things to choose from that are those good choices and and Mm -hmm. helping them to make those choices for themselves as well. So I would love if you would share some of your top kind of practical tips and strategies for feeding our families and anything that might make it a little bit easier and more feasible, some things that work really well for yourself with your own family. Mm, Okay. So just out of the gate, I have like dinner time, a few standard meals that I know are great that serve me that I can tweak and serve them that they love. So cook once, eat often. Now at every meal, I'm looking for protein, fat, and fiber. And I want to tell you why real quick. So moms and people who want weight management, weight loss, I can always go down the weight loss path, but no matter if we can have protein, fat, and fiber every meal, kids and grownups turns off about eight hungry hormones, balances blood sugar. You're not going to have to work quite as hard to um, fight the cravings because your body is staying kind of even keel. Okay. So what I did is I realized I can't overthink these dinners all the time. So I made like three that I can do kind of on autopilot that I know the ingredients to that are protein, fat, and fiber. So there was a point where I had to take old recipes that I always made that I knew that weren't serving me I had to unremember them and I had to pull in some new ones. So one of my favorites is just take a protein. For me, I'm going to just say chicken and I cut it up into cubes 
and I just brown it. This takes what, four minutes. And then I put some barbecue sauce and find like a sugar-free barbecue sauce. Um, like, uh, Primal Kitchen's a great example. Half a cup of that and some water. And then just keep heating it through until it gets real sticky and it's a sticky barbecue. And then I top it with some cheese. I can eat this. And I always start with either a big green salad or a broth-based soup. So start with a super salad to offset your hunger. And then I serve it with the vegetables that the kids will eat. Mine are broccoli eaters. Some like the carrots, some like the tomatoes, some like the cauliflower, but I'll serve whatever vegetable they will eat. And if they're not eating it because they're too little, still present it. Like just keep it in front of them and, and don't make a big, big, big deal out of it. That would be my recommendation. Like I tried to just serve food rather than give a lecture about it. You know, I just put it in front of them. So barbecue chicken is a great one because for the kids, I can throw a bun on it and they've got like, you know, kind of like a sloppy Joe, I'll just have it as a side or I love cauliflower rice. Okay. That's one standard dinner. The other one, take your protein of choice again. Um, I'll still use chicken as an example. And I put it in the crock pot with a jar of salsa. So my kids love all things Mexican or Tex-Mex at my house. So this one works really well because I can cook the chicken all day long, shred it up, now, for me, I build a big salad of greens and pico and a little bit of guac and a little bit of cheese and a chicken on top of it, the chicken and the salsa. And it's this huge meal for me. Now, my kids, I'll serve them like on a high fiber tortilla. Here in the States, we have one that's, um, the company is Olay and they make a high fiber, low net carb tortilla. So instead of just buying the flour ones, I get those for the kids. So I'll make them burritos out of that or whatever taco night thing we're going to do and let them have the chips and salsa, let them have that. But I have mine on the side. Okay. The last one, and these are all like, these are kid friendly foods. Like these are my kids eat this stuff, but I'm also eating foods that support my weight goals. And my clients use these is to take the same tortilla that I just said, and you can take the same chicken, and we moms can make quesadillas for ourselves out of it. Like, there's no reason that we can't have quesadillas. It's just you need to get the high-fiber, low-net-carb ones, and then you can have easy quesadilla. Or I will toast the, um, the tortilla, and I make pizzas out of them. So I'll put like a, a, a marinara sauce on top. Look for one that's five grams of carb or less. Um, and then a little bit of mozzarella and pepperoni and some oregano. And then I'll just bake it for about 10 minutes. This is, it went from like a healthy mom snack to my kids. Like, can you make me another one of those, those pizzas like that one? So, I mean, those are just simple recipes that are fast, but they deliver because they're really good. And my kids eat them and I eat them. That would be like a starting place. Well, and I think it's amazing because I, I love those ideas because they are like simple and straightforward, but that's what we need, right? We do. That's what we, we need. Do. So, you know, be it that, you know, we're, we're at a, a time where our kids have different extracurricular activities and we need those, 
those quick meals, but I don't feel like cooking all day. There's those times when you like to, you know, put together something fancy or a little different, but for the most part, that kind of food is just such a huge win. Those meals are fantastic because you know the kids are going to eat and enjoy them, and then you can kind of tweak and modify them for yourself or for your kids, and they can even sort of uh, choose their toppings, for example, right, with tacos and and make it what what, uh, they like and what they want to have, and they're eating healthy food and eating the different food groups and feeling satiated and and everybody's happy so those are fantastic ideas and so thank you for the reminder about like keep it simple it doesn't need to be complicated right you know another one that I I would tell you about that my kids love and people can go to the blog on my blog on the website and these recipes are all there um meatballs oh my gosh just taking meatballs and then you add whole wheat to it crumpled up whole wheat and some egg and some spices but if you put the wheat into the um, meat it, instead of breadcrumbs, you're upping the fiber. Again, fiber will swell in your stomach. It'll keep you fuller, um, help you not absorb so many calories, fats, and toxins. There's so many benefits to that that I can go into. But I'll slap a half of a string cheese inside, or a, I don't know, a little cube of a string cheese inside the meatball. My kids eat these like crazy. So then again, you serve that on noodles for them. And you put it on zucchini noodles or cauliflower rice for mom. And you've taken one meal, two different ways, same dinner. Yeah, that's perfect. I love it. I'm going to be noting all of these. See, now you've helped me meal plan for the week. This is amazing. What we get? Four dinners? We're there. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> you have to tag help. me if you cook them. I will. Absolutely. Yes. I'll just sh- have a huge shout out and thank you. That made my week so much easier. Because sometimes it's that, right? You kind of get stuck in a little bit of a rut, right? And you're looking for some new ideas, but you don't want them to be overly complicated. And I often find the hardest part is is thinking about what to make for dinner. That's where sometimes I get caught up on that. Sure. Yeah. I'd love to. I got another one. Let's go. We're right in my wheelhouse now. (laughs) I mean, because it's one thing to talk about protein, fat, and fiber. It's another thing altogether to get really down in the dirt about, well, but what does a meal look like? So breakfast bowl. My, my community loves this. I think this might be one of the things they talk about the most besides my high fiber waffles. Again, I'm a, on the blog. It's all there. Um, breakfast bowl, get two good brand yogurt. So it's nice low net carb. There's something you can buy off Amazon called chalk zero, which is a syrup. So instead of maple syrup, it's just a vanilla syrup, but it's high fiber, like 14 gram fiber, 15 total carbs. So it's one net carb. So we'll do plain yogurt or flavored yogurt, a few berries, brand bud cereal, like Kellogg's brand bud cereal. That way we're getting more fiber because more fiber in your belly, it negates carbohydrates. It's going to help your body burn fat for fuel. So that's why I'm giving you these foods that are very high in fiber because it'll help you feel full, which allows for a little bit of a calorie deficit so you can slim down. So yogurt, brand bud cereal, a little bit of fruit, Um, some of the syrup on top because we like the sweet. And then there's another thing called Zen basil seeds that are seven carbs, seven fiber. So it's zero net carb, but it's upping that fiber number. And we want to get that fiber number up. So this is in my little community and my kids, this is one of their favorites. 
That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Super yeah. easy. Yeah. No, I love easy. And truth be told, um, in our family, breakfast is often a go-to dinner. <laughs> Sometimes, especially when life is busy, yeah. it's nice kind of once a week we do like a breakfast for dinner. So that's, again, another great one to add to either breakfast or dinner repertoire. I love that. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And again, an opportunity for kids to personalize it, right? And kind of... Yeah choose the fruit that they want or whatever and make it kind of exactly what they want to be eating, but Mm -hmm. with those healthy choices available to them. So that's fantastic. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This is so helpful. (laughs) Um, So what I wanted to uh, chat about before we sort of wrap things up, and I'm so appreciative of our conversation. I feel like I'm learning so much. Thank you. Is, um, so in the part-time juggle, one of the things that I talk about is just the importance of keeping things real. So yeah. we know that often it just looks and feels like everybody kind of has things figured out more than we do. Um, and we all know though, right? Like motherhood is truly an adventure. Um, mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you might have a mummy mess up or something that you would be willing to share with us. Um, so maybe a mistake or something you wish you had done differently as a mom or a learning opportunity that you had along the way that you would, um, wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners. <laughs> of course. So I have almost a 20 year old, a 21 year old son. So we've got lots of like little hiccups along the way. Um, a hard thing that happened that went right when my son was 12, he started a massive fire in a neighborhood that almost took out two big, big homes. It went right. Okay. So we were kind of like in a fork in a road about, you know, he could have gone down a dark path or a good path and everything turned out well, but we faced a really hard parenting moment in that time. Um, and you don't see that when you look at people's social media, the really like scary, hard things that you go through. Um, but when you brought up the subject, the one thing that came right to mind, so I think this is what I'm supposed to talk about, is my oldest son, I have said his whole life, I wish I could have had an owner's manual when he was born because he is different than my three others. And, and he just beats to a different And in the last four years, I learned about the Enneagram for myself. I was curious about, you know, what was my personality type? And turns out I'm a hard three. And all the questions I've ever had about myself seem to be answered in understanding this Enneagram. And when I went on to read about my, you know, the other personality types, turns out my son is an eight. And that means basically you can hear him coming in the room before he ever gets in the house because he has a big, bold personality. He wants to go toe-to-toe. He wants to argue. He wants to confront. He wants to protect. I didn't know any of this about him until about three years ago. And had I understood his personality better, I would have parented him entirely different because timeouts didn't work because his personality re. re he, he butted up against authority, even his parents and authority wants to challenge it. That's how he's wired. I would have, I would have dealt with this kid so differently had I known that he had that personality type. I I would tell any parent, just read the road back to you by Ian Cron as soon as you can become familiar with the Enneagram because it can really help you to better navigate successfully some of those relationships as your children are growing, because you'll understand who they are, not who you want them to be. 
That is such good advice. And I'll definitely make sure to share that book in the show notes. But I think it's so true. We each see the world and respond and act in a certain way because of who we are. Mm -hmm. And when we are interacting with or facing challenging situations with somebody who approaches and sees things so differently, it can be so tricky to navigate that and to be able to support them and work with them in a way that sort of fits who they are. It is so difficult. And I'm sure you experienced that as a teacher as well. <laughs> yes. All the different personalities. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. But, and it is so interesting. Um, you know, with having a few kids and you've got four, is that right? Four children. And I've got the three and they are each so different from one another. And what mm -hmm. worked well with one doesn't necessarily work well with the other. They're just each so much uh, their own little person and, and kind of figuring out who they are for themselves as we get to know them as well. It's an adventure. Absolutely. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> I, well, I felt like, I felt like the Enneagram was finally the closest thing to that, that, that rule book that I was looking for. Like it gave me a map about, oh, this kid's kind of thinking this way and it helped me to not uh, butt up against so many problems because I approached them differently. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you that insight and understanding. Yes. yes. No, I'm going to definitely check that out. That sounds like a fantastic resource. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And um, there's been so many great gems that you've shared with us today. But before we wrap things up, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who might be looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles that you could share? Yeah. Well, I just want to say that today is a really good day to start. There's never a good day to start. That's why today is. It doesn't matter what you did up until this very moment when you're hearing this, because you're still here to hear this message, that consistent effort over time compounds. So you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And I think about how many times in our life we wanted to get to the front of the line. But in order to get to the front of the line, you had to get in line. But in doing a change, like let's say you're thinking that the messages I've said, you're thinking, I really do need to slim down and get my health in order so I model for my kids, or I have these dreams of getting back into that dress, or I want to be the one in the party that people are saying, what are you doing? You look so happy. You look so healthy. I mean, that, that's all for you. But the thing is, just get in line. And then when you fall out of line, it's okay. Get back in line. So just keep showing up. Do it bad, perfect. Do it fail forward but you just want to keep showing up, but it means that you have to start today. So today is a very good day to start. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. That's great advice. <laughs> um, Suzanne, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story and your ideas and knowledge with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and the amazing work that you do, where are the best places to find you? Okay, so everything is Carpenter 180. So Carpenter is my last name and Carpenter's build things. One O-N-E-8-0. So Facebook is Carpenter 180. Instagram's a great one to watch, by the way, because up in the stories, usually I'll show one meal that I'm eating each day, if not more, just to show you it's good <laughs> and to be a role model and maybe give some ideas. Like I was just talking with a client earlier today that was like talking about a recipe I posted the other day and then giving me even ideas because it, we all want that inspiration. 
Um, on my website, I have seven days free of SOS for anybody in your community. Just go right to the main page and you'll see it. These are daily sound bites that are three to four minutes long, teaching you what you need to know in the right sequence so that you begin to gain control over food and maybe even start shredding inches. It's all my best stuff, even just the first seven days. If it's a fit for you, it's only $15 a month. But this way you can test drive it and get some great resources. Put in the coupon code though, jungle, and I'll send you, I have four different types of grocery lists just to make this simple. Not those 17 page grocery lists that nobody ever uses, but like the girlfriend grocery list that's really practical and doable so that you'll know what to buy so that you're getting the right foods in the house, because that's where we have to start. We have to start with the grocery store, get the right stuff in the house, and then we can begin to make the delicious recipes that I was telling you about. That's amazing. Thank you so much for doing that for our community. I really appreciate that. Um, And thank you again so much for sharing your time with us today, Suzanne. This was so appreciated. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.